0: Welcome to the Talking Solutions with the Chesh podcast. I'm your host, William Cheshire. Join me in learning about optimistic solutions to some of society's problems as we interview entrepreneurs, small business owners, and employees, among others, working to provide solutions and bring positivity into the world. welcome in we have another edition of the talking solutions a podcast and today is an episode that i personally am interested in it's a topic and a conversation that i'm looking forward to and it has to do a little bit about human behavior we have the co-founders of human matter their slogan of course is be better humans and it's all about Basically, allowing yourself to uh, have less stress and live a little bit better. And I have the two co-founders with me today. Very special guests. Very pleasure to have them here today. Uh, behavioral scientists, uh, Katerina Bolle Carbonell and Tanya De Sousa. How are you two ladies doing today?
1: We're doing fine. Great. Thanks. Fantastic. I'm doing well.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. And and I want to get started first and foremost with a little bit more, kind of on the on the business side, to kind of define what is human matter, what the solution is, how it provides. Uh, people to, to live with less stress and, and to be better uh, versions of themselves a little bit. So Tanya, if you can help explain just a little bit about the mission of human matter and, and what your business is trying to accomplish in terms of helping people be better versions of themselves.
1: Sure, William. Thank you. Uh, So human matter is basically like the punchline says, be better humans. And our vision is basically to kind of create micro learning moments for people so that they can each day progress a little bit more, closer to being better humans. It's also about uh, trying and understanding how our mind works, how we behave, how we interact with people, and most importantly, evaluating how we actually live. You know, sometimes we are so caught up in all our ambition and um, the responsibilities and duties that we have that we don't step back and actually see and evaluate our lives and see if you're heading towards... our our goal, you know, so, so that's what human matter is. And I think it also comes from personal stories that has been experienced by Katrina and myself. And uh, yeah, we've collaborated together to bring science-based solutions through the right frameworks and models uh, presented to people in a very simplistic format so that they're not overwhelmed or intimidated because it's behavioral science and just apply it every day and be better humans.
0: That's great. And Tanya, real quick, what is the method that you all are doing right now to educate those people? I believe it might be a newsletter. What are some things that, that you're doing in terms of the actions that's being taken?
1: So, uh, William, it is an interesting story because we started uh, being a, uh, like it, we basically are a lab. So it's all about experiments and we try different experiments and sees, see what works and what doesn't work. We started with a product and we were excited about our product. It was called Restory. It was a goal guider program. It ran over 30 days and people could put in their goals, uh, five different goals, five, six different goals, both a combination of personal goals and professional goals. And oh, we would, uh, you know, they would have to do daily updates and then weekly updates. And uh, eventually by the end of 30 days, you know, they could see their progress. So we would do like an analysis for them, a behavioral analysis for them based on the input that provided us with. And we also presented them with a resilience score based on the algorithm, you know, proprietary algorithm that we developed uh, at Human Matter Labs. But eventually we realized that there are some people who are super committed. uh, And like I say, we we can talk about our users later, but if I have to quickly say there are two kinds, you know, the wanters and the experimenters, the wanters, they they sign up for everything and they're really excited, but somewhere down the road, they just kind of like drift off or, they are not uh, committed enough to invest time and sort of like resources that goes into you know this this whole program, whereas the experimenters are the ones who actually you know they went through the program and they saw the results of it. So we said, okay, let's let's focus on the wanters. I mean, they want to do it, but for some reason they are not able to do it. And why is that? Is, is the length of the program too long? Is it too many updates that they need to put in? Uh, so we said, okay, what's the most simplest way that we could impact their lives? And uh, after talking to a couple of them, we realized it's just as simple as a newsletter. So we started doing weekly wisdom. So weekly wisdom is every week we send out um, on, a t- on Tuesday, primarily, we send out a small little newsletter, which kind of talks about one particular topic in behavioral science. And we ended with like, say, tiny tips, what they could take back and try and follow through during the day and that kind of helped And we were getting a lot of feedback and emails back that were interesting we also started we kind of went, went one step uh, like we took restory, and we went one step back again instead of doing making it a 30-day program we said okay let's educate the people about what what it's all about what what the crux is all about and that it basically the fundamentals are reflective journaling you know that's what it is it's where you're putting in input you're writing daily updates you're writing your story So he said, okay, let's educate them and tell them the science of reflective journaling. Why does it help you? I mean, if someone's just going to tell you, okay, meditate, it's very difficult to just meditate, but if you're going to explain to them how it actually works in your mind, then I think people get a lot more interested because they're like, okay, this is how it really works, you know? So we did a seven-day program, a seven-day masterclass where people get an email every day. Uh, It's a quick three-minute, five-minute email with the science behind it, and then with a challenge. And we found that to be a lot more effective and people were actually completing it because it's a shorter time time frame as well, you know. So those are the two programs that are going on, which is continuous. And then we have the other ones like Our Power, which is about resilience score. We have Mind Sprints, which is more like a, a full-fledged program, uh, more appealing maybe to corporates. And we are currently working on something really interesting, which is uh, Work-Life Fit, which is basically, I know Katrina doesn't like the word, but about work-life balance. How do you manage your work-life balance? You know, so that's that's the current project you're working on.
0: Very interesting. I definitely want to hear more about how you can improve your work-life balance, despite to what Katerina might think about the uh, the word and whatnot as well. But I do want to get Katerina's opinion and, and you, because Tana, you mentioned a few things there that talk a little bit about the behavior and what you were learning about things uh, on that as well. So first and foremost, I think we should just start with the question, uh, why is it so important that people understand themselves and their behavior, Katarina, in order to, to make sure that they take better action. Why is that so important?
2: If you don't understand, yourself, if you don't understand why you're acting in a certain way, you'll just keep on reacting in this way. So you are, it might work or it might not work, but there's no improvement. It's If there's a door and you always kick the door open, it does work, the door opens. But over time, your foot will hurt and the door will break. So you need to understand that your reaction or that your action has a reaction. Now with kicking a door, it's a pretty physical activity. So it's easier to make this link between, I kick the door open, the door opens, but my foot hurts. Let's not kick the door and use the handle. But if it comes to things like communicating or understanding your emotions, it's harder to make this link between how you feel, for example, I feel angry and therefore I do this and this. Or I feel depressed and therefore I go now and smoke or I go and eat something unhealthy. So the the link is more on an unconscious level. So you, we need, or I think we need as humans, we need to have ways to uncover these unconscious links between what we're doing and the reactions of them. And to to do that, that requires time and effort on the side. And we are in a world that kind of that values productivity and going on, going on, going on. But what we need to do is actually to stop and think, okay, I feel restless. Why do I feel restless? And once I know, once I have the answer to that, I can make changes. But we need to take the time to do that.
0: Right. And I think that seems a little bit based on what Tanya was saying that, that, that's some of the struggles that sometimes people aren't really taking the time to, um, to, to complete their tasks or to do things to understand it. So, so Katarina, why do you think that some people kind of struggle with, um, completing tasks and things of that nature as well? Cause I've seen it in, in, you know, my work experience and things as well that there's always seems to be certain structures that you need to take in order to kind of fit to some people to work. So why is it, uh, for some people, it's a little bit more difficult for them to go ahead and, and complete tasks?
2: I think two reasons. One, you don't have clear values, so you don't know really what you want to get out of life. So that's like in you know, other way, you don't have a north star. You just keep walking. I don't know if you do like go you know, hiking or sailing or whatever in the in, in nature. You can just keep on walking like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with just keep on walking, but you never know what kind of danger is there on on the way. And that's why you should have a value let's say one to five as a north star and that kind of helps you to direct or to help you decide what activity you should be doing what activity you should not be doing for example i was once talking with somebody who is, uh she went to one of the like an elite university in the u.s and is now working at a health focused startup and she realized that living healthy is her north star like she is you could call her a health so she does a lot of exercise, but she was working for a company where health wasn't that important. So the product the company was creating wasn't really about living people healthy. So that kind of made her, let's just call it, not happy with the life she was living. She looked at her values and realized being healthy is key. So therefore decided to look for a company where being healthy is is, key, is a key value of the company. And the company is creating something to make people more healthy. So on one side, you need your values as a North Star. On the other side, if you look at the educational system, if you went to primary school, secondary school, and so on, there's not many times where you are told to reflect and think about your decisions. I mean, there's not many times where you are allowed to make your own decisions about, yeah, today I want to study math. Or no, today, math, no, I don't really care about that. I just want to go and pick. So kids are not taught to stop and reflect. We're just taught to just Keep on
0: going. But it's about two reasons. Hmm. That's very interesting. That's fascinating because it really is. It's just kind of keep going. There's less time, and really the way society is pushed, especially whether it's in, in Europe where, where the company is based or whether it's in the US, it's just a constant kind of go, go, go mentality where it's almost just like, um, I don't know, blissful ignorance, if you will, or something of that nature. So that's really interesting. So Tanya, you mentioned this a little bit um, when you were talking about kind of segmenting and and breaking it down and simplifying it to just the seven day kind of the seven day masterclass and you mentioned that. So how much of, of what you were learning now in, in this current stage and in this process of the completing the tips, because I feel like for you two as well, it's not only are you helping people kind of understand themselves, but you have to also understand how people understand themselves, which is obviously Katarina's specialty as well. So uh, Tanya, what types of results and feedback have you kind of been getting from some of the customers and clients for the seven day masterclass?
1: Yes. Uh, so William, like I said, we have two kind of users. So the wanders and the experimenters. And the ones who are most engaged with us are, of course, the experimenters. And they come back with feedback in relation to, okay, they've applied this in their life. And this is what has uh, worked out. And this is what hasn't worked out, you know. So we had one particular person who came back and said that, you know, what she really likes about uh, the program is that even though we use technology we use the email the digital platform she still finds it very human like uh it's like two people talking to her you know uh there was another one who kind of said that it it kind of feels like a uh a cheaper version of therapy Like, you know, it's not that expensive because they're kind of reflecting themselves. So they are becoming self-coaches. And uh, that's actually our goal as well with the program that we wanted people. I mean, we're not dismissing therapists, you know, that there is a place for them, definitely. But if you can self-coach yourself or, you know, try and understand yourself a little bit more or your behaviors. And if you still struggle, then maybe go, you know, and take professional help. It's a good balance. It's a good combination, you know. So that was another good feedback. I think two of our, um, in, in our Weekly Wisdom newsletter, two of our articles that got the most interest, uh, one was resilience and one was about friendships, you know, managing uh, toxic friendships, managing friendships when you move to different places. And was really interesting because it kind of uh, showed that the two most important things for people in their lives right now, one is like, when there's uncertainty, how to deal with that uncertainty or when there's adversity, what a lot of people are going through right now because of maybe the pandemic or like say, you know, with their jobs, et cetera, the one superpower that they need is resilience. And that, that piece resonated the most. And the other thing is the social aspect. They were missing friends. And so this piece about friendships and managing relationships were equally important to people. So that kind of gave us a little bit more insights into, you know, uh, our audience and what they're struggling with or what resonates with them a little bit more. Yeah, and um, I'm thinking anything else, Katrina? That you know that were. If I can interject, there
2: was a lady and I talked with her over over phone, so we could go beyond just text. And she worked for a long time in in the HR in a HR department of a large company. So she would be what would call like a workplace con- consultant on HR business partner. Partner, And she described reflection, so what we're talking about in this uh, ma- masterclass, as the superpower people should have in the future. So it's good to learn. It's good to have communication skills and so on. But if you cannot honestly reflect on yourself, you will be stuck. Like you can tell yourself, I'm good at talking with my employees. I never get angry. But if you, you're just going to be lying to yourself. So you need to have this honesty to to actually be kind of brutally honest with yourself and say, I screw up there because of this and this and I will take these and this action further sort of, on, like in the future. So I found this one of the key feedbacks that we got that it's kind of we we're giving people the superpower to be successful in their life, no matter how success looked for them.
0: So Tanya, I want to move a little bit back into kind of the business stuff as well, because one thing that you had mentioned that that y- you're y'all are working on that's um pretty big and, and something that I've seen on a recent version of your website as well, and that kind of ties into to that resilience and relationships thing, I think, perfectly is that work-life balance. So if you could talk to us a little bit about what you're working on in there and what your plans are for that, because I think personally, I think, you know, the resilience of kind of going through tough times, which is generally through work and stuff, and then the support that you get with your friends. And I, I think there's a TED talk that I saw. There's a Harvard study that says relationships are the key to happiness. The strength of your relationships over the course of life is literally, literally linked to how happy you are. So I would be really curious to see what you're working on with that work-life balance.
1: So with the work-life fit, uh, we, we still don't know what you're going to call it, to be really honest, because we, it's it's a work in progress. But for now, if I have to say, give, a, give it a word, I would call it a modus operandi, you know? So you have a lot of books on work-life balance and, you know, it's text, 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 text. You read, 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 and then you forget, forget, forget. You know, that's what happens generally. You know, at that minute you're excited. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do. But we want to be like, okay, this is the problem. People are reading stuff. They know they got to do this. They, they know they need to have the Not work-life balance, work-life fit, as Katrina says, but they're not doing it. And why are they not doing it? Because there is no daily checkpoints. There's no. There is no accountability. There is no. uh, uh, There are no challenges put out for them that they, you know, like. It's it's kind of like a little homework. You know, if if teachers don't give students homework, they are you only reading. You read in the class and then you forget. You don't you don't actually go home and actually practice it and do it, and then you don't know how to do it, right? so what we're trying to do is it's like an mvp now in in that in that sense that we want to give people okay we're going to give you the context we're going to give you the the information okay but along with information we're also giving going to give you we're going to add another bit where you're going to practice reflective journaling but specifically for work-life balance so the prompts are like we reflective journaling is a lot, a lot about the right having the right prompts so these prompts will be designed particularly asking you questions every day to reflect on okay your 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 life and uh, also along with that we're going to give them a lot of like resources and different frameworks and models that they can apply themselves to have a better work-life fit. Because what happens with work-life is that your work and your life is very different from my work and my life and versus Katrina's. You know, some people have kids, some people don't have kids, some people are single, some people are married. There are so many different aspects. And when people write a book, they, it's just a generic advice. It's not personalized. And the personalization can come only by the individual. You know, I cannot tell you how to lead your life nor can you tell me the same. You know, the only way you can do it is I can give you the resources and tools and frameworks, and then you can design or adapt, rather. That's the. It's a better word. You can adapt those frameworks to your life, and then do these small little experiments. And we we constantly say this at Human Matter is that uh, we want people to start thinking like scientists. You know, uh, the problem with the world today is people defines. Uh, I mean, this obsession with success. They think, okay. I I wanna get this magic bullet, I wanna know the solution and I wanna apply it in my life and everything needs to be happy. It's it's not gonna be that way. So the only way you can do it is you can do make these do these small experiments, try these different challenges every day and see how it works. Okay, it didn't work, okay. Let let me try this way. Okay, it didn't work. So you you go with like these that's what we call it micro learning moments. You know, they're like little moments in your life that you do every day, and you, you become a little scientist for your own life, you know? And then you're not disappointed. A scientist is never disappointed when the result is not achieved because they know, okay, that's not the way to do it. Now I'm going to figure out another way to do it. So we're kind of making you like human scientists you know, in in simple terms. So that's what Work-Life Fit is all about. It's like a modus operandi. We give you the tools, we give you the frameworks, we give you the, the, the content as well, which you can read. We give different media, so there would be a little bit of video maybe, text, you know, uh, multi-video sort of format. And then people, you know, take these tools and then they apply it. And there's also an opportunity for them, like with these little workshops that would probably be included uh, four times a you year, know, where they can come and discuss these not not what they've written, not their work and life, but what worked and what didn't work in terms of the strategy, in terms of the framework. You know, so there's a little bit of like community spirit there involved. You know, a little bit of accountability there involved. You know, which makes people feel okay. I'm not in this alone. There are other people too. You know,
0: I love it. I. I love the way you described that as well. It's just kinda of like being your own scientist, being your own kind of behavioral analysis, if you will, and, and just really kind of going through it. that because you're attacking instead of, you know, when you when you talk about the books and the generic books, I mean obviously they're they're helpful. I mean, they do provide a framework in in a degree, right? But they don't address everyone's individual situation. Somebody might think, oh, if I follow these, it's going to be great. Yeah, except there's this factor, this factor, this factor, this factor. That is only specific to my life. And instead of like, uh, you know, in a day in the world of marketing where, you know, uh, what's a good example? I don't know. And make make $10,000 in three months in your dropshipping store, you know, and then people don't make $10,000 in three months in their dropshipping store and they think, oh, I suck. I failed. But it's a different situation. So I think attacking at that root of the problem and making them learn and becoming their own scientists is a really great way to frame it as well. Uh, Katerina, I'd be I'd be interested and in, in would like you to maybe expand a little bit too on the importance of just kind of hounding it in. Like people might hear homework and people might hear, oh, I don't want to do all this. I don't want to do all that. It's a lot of steps. It's a lot of work. Like I just want to, I clocked out of my nine to five. I just want to turn on Netflix and relax and just kind of ignore that problem as well. Why is reinforcing content so important in our ability to learn? Uh, not only about different types of topics but obviously about ourselves as well. Why is it that there is so much reinforcement and why and how is that positive and why people should look at that in a more optimistic way.
2: If you do nothing, you get nothing. I keep on telling that to my kids every day and early. So if you don't want to put in the work to get a better work life balance, which includes reading content, thinking about yourself, well then you don't get a better work life balance. But that's a choice that you made. Or I would say well that's a choice that you made. You want to watch Netflix, fine, your choice, your life, but don't come complain to me. Like you know, if you want to have a better work-life balance, you need to put in the work. Why reinforce content? Because we forget. There's a recency bias, for example. That information that you hear recently is at the forefront of your mind. Or if I see an accident today at one corner of the street and see an accident tomorrow at the same corner of the street, I will. Assume that this this corner is a very dangerous corner just because I saw two accidents in a row, completely forgetting that I passed by the street, let's say, a hundred times and never saw anything. So we need to reinforce content to just be remembered. So that's one part of learning. It's just reading up on stuff or the acquiring frame, frameworks. The other part is the experience. So you need to do stuff and try it out, as Tanya said. You need to just see what works for you
1: and just to add to Katrina, I mean, just, I mean, the, the, the question you, you asked was very relevant and actually it, it applies to me as well, because, you know, I, I talk about all of this, but like you said, it's so easy to go and turn on Netflix and just watch something, you know, and then put in that work of, say, for example, journaling every day, taking that time out. And that's that's why we're very conscious right now when we're designing our solutions that, they've got to be micro moments. They have to be small, five minutes, not more than that. So it's not a 400 page book. You know, this is the difference between like a 250 page book versus, you know, something like, oh my God, you buy all these books, self-help books. And how many times have we actually finished reading the entire book, right? So instead we're like, okay, let's summarize the content. It's more like cliff notes. Let's not make it like heavy with like jargons. Let's simplify it. And the challenges are just five minutes. It doesn't take more than five minutes. And then people are like, okay, I I can dedicate five minutes. That's okay. And then eventually it becomes a habit. And then you actually miss not doing it, you know? So that's, that's what, uh, uh, that's how we want to like, you know, design even work life fit to be, you know, we slowly start with like these mini, mini, mini challenges and then get you to run the marathon eventually, you know? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. The the micro challenge is five minutes a day and then you just do it for 21, 28 days. I think it's what they say is when uh, something becomes a habit and that's when you start going, Oh no, I didn't do that. today.
1: Like, Like I started something very similar just to experiment with myself. I had a very bad habit of, you know, looking at my phone first thing in the morning and then, you know, it's bombarded with all these messages and emails and answering. So I started this 30 day, no sunrise no phone sunrise challenge and for 30 days and I would put it on Twitter out so that I, there's some sort of accountability as well. And I would write a small little poem at the end of the day. So at least it helped, Not, it's not a poem, but just like my, my morning thought. I did it for actually 30 days. And now I don't have that urge for my phone. So the first two hours in the morning, I don't touch my phone. And it's it's just made me so much more calmer and uh, so much more productive and efficient. I mean, earlier, I always thought that, OK, I have an, I have a newborn. I need to see my emails right in the morning so that, you know, I but but actually, no, it, it, I still am able to do the same amount of work, not seeing my phone first thing in the morning. And I'm still productive, you know, so so it's these small little habits. Yeah. I initially said only 30 days. I didn't do it like oh, for the rest of my life. I'm not going to see my phone. I didn't do that because then it's then it's very difficult. Then you can do it, you know. So, yeah.
0: Right. And I think that goes back to the core root of it is understanding yourself. What is a sufficient challenge that you can do? For you, it might be 30 days. For somebody else, it might be, hey, I'm going to do this for three and then seven. And And I love that. how That's what you have on the micro side of things are just five minute tasks. One thing you said from a business perspective that I would be interested to, to learn more about and in terms of the behavior and, and how people want to learn and from a marketing perspective as well is you mentioned that you offer different types of content whether it be text or graphics or video as well. Have you been able to learn a little bit about what type of content that you're sending out there is getting kind of the most engagement from, from the audience and things of that nature, like how people are digesting it the most tangibly yet, or is it still a little too soon to to to, to it, figure that? Out?
1: It's a little too soon to, to talk about which kind of content is, is most appealing to people or which medium twitter to be honest is our i think most of our audience comes from twitter because i think we're both most active on twitter but we are trying different sources and right now thanks for the opportunity with with your podcast as well you know to reach out as many people but when it comes to what gets once people come to the site what engages them the most i think it's the theme and like i said the two themes that had a lot of engagement a lot of interest was one was relationships we had one on love relationships as well which was which got a lot of uh, interest on twitter and um, managing like love love relationships you know and then there was the friendships and resilience so I think it's more like team-based and sometimes some particular topics people there's not the we don't get the response we expect to get like there was one on growth mindset about like learning to learn and there wasn't too much of response there you know or too much of engagement there you know so I think it it, it depends on the theme and I think what people are currently going through at that particular moment and if it resonates that's what that's what they pick up on and then they, they they come back or they engage or they send us an email back saying that it helped them it didn't help them that kind of thing yeah
0: Interesting. So how do you kind of anticipate how things could kind of grow into the future there? Because I've kind of heard, uh, you know, within that, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe you can start to segment. And, and once, you know, the the product grows and, and the and the business grows, you can have different se- segments, you know, like, hey, these people want growth, these mindset, these people want love, these people want work relationships, these people want work-life balance, these people want, you know, addiction, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, so what is a little bit of kind of your long term or the, the future for uh Human Matter Labs?
1: The future for Human Matter, I mean, I think like this is where like I think I, I get really excited about product and I'm like from day one, I'm like, oh, we have to build this and we have to build that, you know, because I come from that background, whereas Katrina has to calm me down like, no, 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 let's start with newsletters, then let's start with like a toolkit and then, you know, a baby step. So if you ask me for the big picture, uh, what I would what we would love actually for you, for Human Matter is that to build a micro learning platform where, you know, people can learn, like you said, people can pick and choose. It's like a menu card, and then they can pick what they want. Do they want to learn about relationships? Do they want to learn about work-life fit? Do they want to learn about, you know, different areas of their life, basically their daily life. And, and again, it's only like five minutes information coming in, like bite-sized information, right? But at the same time, there's also a space for reflective journaling where the, the whole process is automated, where we, instead of a person taking a highlighter and marking, you know, okay, the positive words, the negative words and analyzing where it could be a little biased. Uh, With the help of hopefully a proficient technologist, we are able to automate that process and, you know, where we are able to give them real-time analysis about, you know, their feelings, their behaviors. I mean, this is, and it's not something that we can do because we've done that earlier. We've done it manually for people with handbooks and, you know, Katrina and me created these handbooks analyzed the data and provided it to people and they found it immensely useful i mean our users were so happy with the with with the handbooks but the problem is that we can't create 100 200 handbooks it's or you know say a million handbooks by ourselves you know this is where i think right now we're just two of us and we're trying to make a difference in this small space but uh, to really create an impact we need resources and uh, to get those certain resources, we need to deliver, and uh, we need to see what has actually worked and what has not worked. And right now, we are in that process of experimenting and seeing where what actually you know, builds something which actually has that impact in people's lives by doing it manually currently, and then eventually automating it. I mean, it's it's kind of like the Airbnb story, right? Like initially, they started very small by going and clicking pictures themselves and you know doing everything manually, and then eventually they created the platform and it's a lot more automated right now so that's the that's the vision from from the product side for human matter but the core crux whatever the product is whatever the solution is i think the the main essence is that we just want people to live better lives your lives are short you need to reflect and not just uh let life happen to you you know so you need to have some control make better decisions so that when you're on that deathbed you know you don't regret you feel like okay you know what I made considered choices, and it, it was worth it. Maybe to add to that, there is um, there's a lot of science on how to live.
2: This is, it's very you know you can read up on whatever you want: brain activity, relationships, friendships, how to communicate with your spouse, how to communicate with your kids, and so on. But it's all written for scientists, for scientists' wise right, for scientists. On top of that, a lot of research is behind a paywall, so you need to pay twenty dollars to read an article. The only thing before you buy, you get what, like five lines of an academic abstract, which is normally very condensed. And based on these five lines, or 250 words normally, you decide: Do I want to spend $20 on it? Yes or no. And I, as an a- academic, I often read abstracts and thought, Oh, this is interesting. I click. I get. I have access to the article thanks to my affiliation. And then I read it and I say, Oh, this is actually useless. But I can do this and I don't have to spend money because the university is spending money for it, but you will have to pay the $20. So what Human mother does with this micro-learning platform is also making science accessible to everybody. There's all these frameworks out there that could help you make a better life. So we are doing the, the, well, the first two steps we're doing that for you're refining it and we're simplifying it. You're still going to have to do the application to your life. That We can't, we can't force you to do that. That's your own free choice.
0: Right. And that's the, the the own choice, which is always, I think, kind of a, an interesting thing as well, because, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too much into this about society in general with like this particularly younger generations and things of that nature as well. But it is very much an instant society, instant gratification. And, you know, things like life require a lot of work. So I think the micro learning and things like that is is really helpful as well. But I'd like to hear a little bit about your backgrounds and and why you two both decided to come together and and join uh, to create this type of business. Where did the interest arise and and kind of a a little bit of a background story here. Uh, And I'll let you start with that, Tanya.
1: So, yeah, us is a little bit, uh, as we say, it's like an unplanned encounter. Um, So a little bit about our serendipitous story. My background has been, I've done my MSc and my MBA, both uh, in fashion retail, and which means a lot of consumer behavior. And uh, I, my MSc dissertation was about um, trying and understanding bridal buyer behavior, which is very emotion driven, by the way. So uh, I've always been interested in a behavior, but more from a business perspective, right? Like why do people buy and why do they buy this versus that? And that was always interesting. I've worked in different industries, tech, events, fashion, design, luxury, and I worked very closely with like startup founders. But the one thing that interested me is beyond just like how, how well they run their company was like, what were their behaviors with their, say, employees or with, in their own lives that actually impacted their business? And I always found it intriguing to see how one, you know, one of my clients would, would be able to tackle the same problem in a different way. Uh, versus another client. And it's just because of behaviors or the outlook towards life or how they uh, they manage their relationships. And so that was kind of interesting. But from a personal point, uh, uh, I, I think things were going really well. But 2019, I, I think I reached that point where I was like, oh my God, like anxiety. Like, you know, what am I doing in my life? And where is this going? That kind of thing. I took some time off, uh, rekindled my life with behavioral science, but this time more about reflecting and reevaluating the choices I made. And uh, that's when I, um, you know, I was reading a book, The Undoing Project by Danny Kahneman and Amos Travatsky. It's about their relationship, the two behavioral scientists. And I was like, you know what? I have this idea. I want to help people. Uh, I want to solve modern day problems. You know what happens in our lives. And I want to do this based in behavioral science, like something which is science based. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there out there. You know, you have like yogis giving their their idea about how to live a life you have meditation gurus you have I'm like okay it, it's nice and it's good to take t- take what they have but it's also good to you know get get a scientific uh, angle to this and I was like okay it would be so great if I found my own Daniel Kahneman or like my own little behavioral scientist who I could partner with you know because I knew I was limited in uh, I, just like you I'm interested in this but I don't know the the science behind it and I don't want to go out there and tell people oh yeah yeah you know I'm, I'm an expert because I'm not and then what happened was the pandemic happened and I was bored and uh, I was itching like always because th- that's me. I have the sh- uh, shine, new, new shiny thing syndrome. I constantly need to do things. So I signed up for a hackathon and it was a work, virtual hackathon. Um, it was, I think, trying to solve a problem during the pandemic, which is isolation uh, for remote workers. And that's how Katrina and myself met because we were in the same team. Uh, they they kind of like they, they, they put you in teams. And uh, we worked on a product to beat uh, isolation for remote workers. Uh, we we were one of the, the finalists. We w- became second. It was well-received. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I connected with Katrina. And I said, hey, listen, you know, I, I had a great time working with you. This is an idea I have. I want to build this lab. Would you be interested in, in partnering? And uh, I think being a scientist, she was excited because she had all this knowledge. And, you know, academia is so restrictive in what you can do and what you can't and this was an outlet for her to get a lot more creative. Uh, So after a lot of virtual coffees, some whiteboarding and some robust conversations, and I think we decided, okay, let's give it a shot, like an experiment. Let's look at it as a project more than a business because then you're like more like, okay, you know, you don't feel so intimidated by the whole thing. And uh, it's been nearly, it's been more than a year and a half. It's nearly a year and a half now, I think. Uh, We haven't met ever, even though we were in Ireland. Even though we were both based, like I was in Dublin and she was in Galway at that point, and um, we've never met, but we've still survived each other. So yeah, rather she survived me in my course. Is experience. that true,
0: Katarina? Is it more of that to her or what? <laughs>
1: Uh, sometimes she to gets too excited and adds too
2: many colors on it. Which in academia you get the feedback: this is too colorful, and every color <laughs> needs to have a meaning. So why did you have this in yellow and this in pink, and why is today the newsletter all formatted in green and then last week it was not blue? Can you please explain your reasoning? Yeah. So uh, no, but she's great to work with. And uh, at the beginning we had a, a conversation of my heart: is what is actually behavioral science? Because I come from my we approach it from different angles and so we had, we needed to actually just actually sit down and decide together what is favorite science and we kind of decided that it's this big, board, big thing that has economics in it and psychology and cognitive science and, and, and everything together. Tanya mentioned that during the pandemic she was bored, and that's where she joined the hackathon. I joined the hackathon for a completely different reason. For sure, I was not bored. I'm a single mom of four. I don't need to do any other things. So I joined the hackathon because it was virtual. So therefore I could simply go and attend. I didn't need to look for, you know, a babysitter or arrange anything on on the back end for me. I could just log in and go there. So without the pandemic we would have never met and we would not be here right now. So something good comes out out of everything.
0: There you go. Putting a positive spin on a very negative situation. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. Uh, before I let you all go, I, I just want to give you the opportunity to please share some ways, uh, some, some information or anything that people listening can do to support you. Or Obviously, I think I, and I encourage everybody to sign up for Human Matter so that you can actually start to learn yourself, see the micro learning and all that type of good stuff. Uh, but how are some ways people can support you uh, going forward?
1: So I think like you mentioned, Will, I think the best way to reach out to us is uh, going to our website, humanmatter.com. And there's a little, what do you call it? The dash between human and matter. So we can can share the details with you. You have the the website details, so maybe you can put it in the transcript now. Uh, and sign up to week, Weekly Wisdom because that's where you're going to get, it's free. So you, you get like micro learning, you know, insights into behavioral science every week. We have the free masterclass, which is a seven day masterclass in reflective journaling called Restory, which again, you can sign up for. And then of course, once we, we launch, lo- if, if you sign up to the email or the masterclass, when we launched Work Life Fit, uh, you'll be the first to know. So you'll have early access to it. So that's, that's something that we're excited about. And I think you can always follow us on Twitter, which is Human Matter Labs. We're most active there. So you know, you have any questions? You want to reach out to us? You want to partner with us? We're always looking to collaborate with people. So you know, just just uh, just uh, reach out to us. We don't bite. Yeah, maybe to add to that,
2: um, what is a problem? What is a behavioral problem you like to to solve? So we have we write on topics that we find interesting, but that's that's us. And of course, we're doing. A, research on the web to see what other, peer, what other problems people have. But it's just like if you currently have a burning question about your life that you want to be solved, you want to know what's the mental model or the framework you should apply to solve that problem, which are also and we look at what, uh, what the scientists say and we kind of condense it for you and tell you what to do and then you do it, do it
0: wonderful fantastic yes that's humanmatter.com you can go there it's and then of course uh as tony said we're gonna have all of the links and whatnot on our uh link tree and whatnot throughout the week uh of the episode as well so you can easily find all those links available there but uh ladies thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it your uh your project is something that i find fascinating and really interesting i'm a huge proponent that if people focus on improving themselves each and every day the rest of uh some of the things in society will will go to take care of themselves a bit as long as people are just trying to become better versions of themselves all the time. And I think that's exactly what this platform does. And I'm super excited to continue to to follow along with it and whatnot. And, and I hope that uh, down the line, the product evolves as well. Be happy to have a conversation with that. I want to hear more all about it. So thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, William, for the opportunity. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was great. It's just great doing this here together.
0: Awesome. That is Human Matter Labs. Human Matter, that's right. They are making you better humans. Be better humans is their motto, and it's a wonderful and fantastic approach to take uh, to your life, uh, to take just little micro steps that can improve it uh, going forward so far. So a special thanks uh, to the co-founders, behavioral scientist, uh, Katerina bollek and then, of course, Tanya De Sousa as well. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions podcast. Like I mentioned before, all of those links are going to be available. I highly encourage you to check it out and to sign up for the weekly newsletter in the seven-day masterclass. And then of course, stay up to date uh, about the new Work-Life Balance uh, project that's coming out as well. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the Talkin' Solutions with the Chesh podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and you can find out more about our featured guests and their solutions on our Talkin' Solutions podcast Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube channels as we focus on highlighting individuals providing solutions to social problems and bringing optimism to the world.